and now we're going to clap. One, two, three. One more time. One, two, three. This is Annie Gamers Podcast number 16, recorded on Sunday, May 24th, 2009, from inside of a self aware medical supercomputer. Today, we will be discussing the manga Blackjack. Welcome to the Annie Gamers Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Minto, also known as Vampvo, and with me tonight is the video game journalist and Annie Gamers blogger, Mitchell Dyer, better known as Mitchie D. Is there a doctor in the house? So, before we get started, I just want to let everybody know that I was on another episode of the Anime 3000 Podcast, this time to talk about video games, and we ranted for so long that Sean had to split the episode into two parts. So, you can check out the first part of that at tinyurl.com slash p-a-t-r-o-h. We've got a great show for you today. We're finally going to get down to discussing Blackjack, the classic manga by Osamu Tezuka that Michi and I have been itching to review since it began its release a few months ago. And let's get into what we've been doing. Would you like to start? Uh, I can do that, yeah. Uh, once again, like... Every time I come on this podcast, I'm never watching or reading anything. I'm always playing something. What I've been doing lately is playing UFC 2009 Undisputed, uh, which is really weird for me because I don't particularly like the Ultimate Fighting Championship, but this game kind of made me a believer to the point that I kind of started watching it more regularly now. I borrowed a couple DVDs off my buddies, went to the bar the other night to catch the UFC 98, uh, and the game just does like a really super awesome good job of capturing the entire feel and vibe of the events. And more importantly, the game is just so much fun. Like, It's kind of divided into two parts that fit together really well. You've got your standing and your ground game. Standing game, you just kind of alternate punches, kicks, stuff like that, but it is absolutely brutal. Like head kicks, big elbows in the face, just massive hits, dudes getting cut, bleeding everywhere. And the collision detection is fantastic. Like, There's no arms going through dudes' heads. Like, if you miss a punch, you'll wrap your arm around a guy's head rather than go through it. So it just looks really good on top of... Yeah, that's that's really interesting, because I, I think it was when I was playing Street Fighter, I was noticing, you know, it was just people were going, you know, punches were going right through people, and that's a typical thing, but I guess in the next generation, you sort of would expect that to be fixed. Right, and this really, really takes advantage of that. Uh, I don't even... I think they actually said there is no collision detection. It's all based on physics. Yeah, that's pretty that cool. definitely really shows, especially like when you take a guy down, you tackle him to the ground, and you just start wrestling with him or beating the crap out of his face. Uh, it's mm. kind of hard to explain the mechanics of the game because it's really complicated. It's not an easy game to learn, but it is very, very fun once you do. So, I mean, it's really easy to punch guys in the face, kick them in the head. It's easy to just mash your face buttons and get stuff done. But as soon as you want to take a fight to the ground, it immediately becomes this like really complicated game of rotating the analog sticks, timing button presses to get in hits. And it's, it's just really not easy to learn. But it's definitely worth it, because it's just so much fun to pummel dudes. Matches can last anywhere between like 10 seconds and however long the rounds are, 5 minutes or something like that. 3 rounds, 5 minutes. Uh, and at any point... You could just get knocked out. A kick in the head will knock you right to the ground. And it's just that unpredictability really, really lends to the fun of the game because you never know when you're going to get taken out. Because there's no HUD. I mean, you can turn it on, but it's definitely not fun. But it's just, like, really fun, a different kind of fighter. If you've been playing a lot of, like, Street Fighter, Virtua Fighter, it's really different right. and really fun and satisfying to play. Yeah, well, I think that might be partially because it's an American fighting game, right? Rather than. It a was lot of actually games are I, Japanese. It was developed in Osaka, actually. Really? Yeah, okay, I that's... think Yuke's Osaka did that one. So is that's all you've been doing? You haven't been watching any anime, reading any manga, I guess. Nah, my right? my binder full of anime is calling my name though. I need to start watching uh, whatever it's called, boxing anime. Dude with the boxing gloves punching dudes in the face. Um, Hajime no Ippo. Yeah, that's the one. That's definitely the one. Okay. <laughs> Uh, as for me, I have been watching anime and reading manga, and I've been on a, uh, 
of Samu Tezuka binge, mostly. So I've been watching the 1980 remake of Astro Boy, which is surprisingly good, because I know the Astro Boy anime are usually not considered to be as good as the manga, but uh, I don't know. It's sort of silly. It's child's entertainment. But, um, but it's sort of like sometimes it fits into Tezuka's deeper themes more than, uh, more than you would expect it to. There's one episode that I saw where uh, Astro's robot sister, Uran, tries to find God. So that's very strange. Some deep, that's some deep stuff. SpongeBob SquarePants is never looking for God. Truth. Uh, and some of the action scenes are pretty cool, which is probably because of the involvement of Noboru Ishiguro, who worked on Space Battleship Yamato, also known as Star Blazers, and Super Dimension Fortress Macross, and also Satoshi Dezaki, who's Osamu Dezaki's older brother who worked on They Were Eleven and Mad Bull 34. Which so, I hear is pretty fantastic, Mad Bull. Yeah. <laughs> so imagine that guy, but on Astro Boy. So, you know, that the action scenes are pretty cool. Mix. Yeah. <laughs> New York cop raping hookers. It's true. Okay. Um, I've never actually seen or read any Astro Boy, but that trailer for the new CG movie like really got me stoked. Do you think I should go back and watch some? Uh, I'd say read some. Is Astro Boy something you have to commit to, or is it kind of like standalone episodes? It's very, very standalone. Uh-huh. I would say uh, I haven't seen the original 1960s anime, but from what I hear... The 1960s one is not very good. You know, it's so dated that it's really not entertaining. I think the 80s one is a nice combination where it's still sort of silly, but you can you can uh, still check it out and be entertained by it. But actually transitioning into what I've been reading, the, the Astro Boy manga is very... I, I think it's still very accessible. And uh, especially because I know that the Tezuka's pre-Astro Boy stuff, like Metropolis especially because I've read Metropolis, is not not very good. His pacing's very off. He's way, way too fast. It's like he's trying to fit things into a small number of pages, which is probably because of his editors. Uh, and some of the Astro Boy stories, the pacing is, is too fast also. But uh, at least in the one I recently read, which is in Volume 3 of the, uh, the Dark Horse release in America, it's called The Greatest Robot on Earth. Uh, and it's... I, the the pacing is much much better in that than it is in uh, in some other Astro Boy stories, and a lot of the stuff in Astro Boy is still accessible because it deals in the manga at least because the anime Tezuka was known for having to to tone things down in the anime because uh, because because the people the producers of the anime wanted to keep things very very childish with happy endings and things, but in the manga he would often make there'd be sad endings. Astro wouldn't be able to save the world. Somebody would die. It would be, and it's, it has a lot more depth than people would expect. So I highly recommend reading and any chapter from Astro Boy, especially Volume 3, and I've heard good things about Volume 6 and 7, but I haven't read them yet, because you have to read them together. They're one long story. It's, uh... It, I mean, I think if you enjoy any Tezuka, then you should read Astro Boy. And we're talking about Tezuka here today with, uh, with Blackjack. So if you enjoy Blackjack or Buddha, things like that, or Phoenix, those are later later Tezuka works, but they retain similar themes, so it, it's definitely interesting to check out Astro Boy. I still have a ton of Tezuka manga just kicking it on my shelf that I still haven't read. I still need to read uh, Apollo's song. Is on there. Oh, I've been wanting to check that out. That's That looked very good. You keep recommending Buddha, which I need to get, and I definitely want to oh. read MW, or Moo, or whatever they call it. Yeah, B- Buddha is... Um, godly get it but no it really is like it's 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 awesome it's uh it's one of the best manga i have ever read actually speaking of mw did you see the trailer for the live action adaptation no i haven't it looks uh, awesome link to it it looks really good (laughs) i haven't read the manga yet i know you recommended it you had a review on the site about it it's uh, it's super duper good i love it yeah, I've been meaning to check it out because Tezuka's awesome, but Tezuka's really awesome when he gets dark. It is absolutely the darkest thing I've ever read of his. Yeah, and we're going to, you know, Blackjack, we're going to talk about that, is much more dark than your traditional Tezuka, but Moo is even more dark. <laughs> right. Uh, and actually, uh, I haven't been playing that much new stuff. I've been playing Far Cry 2 still, which uh, I mentioned that a couple episodes ago. 
Uh, I like it more than I did before, but... How is it after the patch? Because apparently it's not broken anymore. Uh, was what was broken about it before? I don't know. I don't follow it, because every time I hear Far Cry 2, I get really, really upset. Because I really <laughs> don't like that game. Really? Did yeah. You, you, it's, so you played it? Uh, very, very briefly. Okay. Just the, the things that bug me about it is you're always under fire. And you're yeah. always falling over with this malaria infection you have. And that just really got on my nerves. I just want to run around and shoot stuff. And it's everywhere you go, you're stopping to do something else. Hmm. Well, I, uh... I'm not sure what the patch was. Maybe... I know there was a save error people were having. It might have fixed that. I never had that error, though, so... It might have just fixed something that I was never Maybe familiar was with. I just heard yeah. that Far Cry was kind of busted and it needed patching, and then it oh. got patched. Well... Uh, the one thing I can't complain about is the fast travel, or travel in general, because you've got to drive all over the world to get to things, and then the fast travel is super impractical, because there are about five fast travel locations in each half of the world, and uh, you know those five are connected to each other, but they're so far away that it's, it's just really, really impractical. You pretty much have to drive everywhere, even though... You know, in theory, you could drive over to this bus stop and then take a bus and then drive somewhere else, but it just takes so long. There should be probably double the number of fast travel locations just to make it more practical to get places. I've actually been playing Red Faction Guerrilla for review. Which I, I played that at Comic-Con. I really liked that. That was, at least, you know, I played some multiplayer stuff. It was pretty fun. The multiplayer is definitely cool. Uh, the single player, though, it has a fast travel, but you can't unlock it for a few hours. Oh. What worse is uh, once you unlock it, the loading times in Red Faction are so bad that it is literally faster to drive to somewhere than fast travel. Oh crap! That sounds terrible. It's brutal, and when you die, the load times are like you die, you restart, it loads back uh, a spawn point like your safe house. So you spawn yeah. back there, but you need to wait like at least thirty seconds. Hmm. And it's brutal because it's easy to die, like. Dudes will hit you with, yeah. uh, like, an impact cannon on the top of a truck, or they'll run you over. You'll get blown up. Like, there's just so many ways to die in that game, and it gets so agitating. But other than mm. that, yeah, like, yeah, I'm, a quick I, tangent on Red Faction, it's really good, too. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. It's I, basically Total Recall. Like, it's no bones about it. Like, Free Mars is, like, the tagline. It's <laughs> everyone's motto. Yeah, I, I like the multiplayer, because it had that, uh, that very cool idea of um, totally destructible buildings. Which I they, they might have a name for that. I don't know what that. I think the is technology called. is GeoMod. Yeah, something like that. That's so, cool too. That factors into the single player a lot because there are side objectives like important structures that you can destroy to right. regain influence over the over an area. Mm. And you'll plant mines at the base, or you'll hammer out the support, and you'll just destroy all of these buildings, just take them to the ground. So by the time you've liberated one of the six areas that you're supposed to liberate because you're a terrorist. The entire area is just barren because you've destroyed everything of your enemies. Yeah, actually, for people who aren't familiar with that, that technology is, is something where they've uh, they've modeled buildings based on real architecture. So, you, you know, you're not just going to blow up the entire building. You would actually have to blow up the supports and things like that. Right. And so when the building doesn't have any more support, it falls down like a real building. Well, and you can really take out... Uh, idea the concrete walls, but inside of it you're going to still see, like, rebar supporting yeah. the building. So it's, yeah, exactly. They so do it's, really it's do a very interesting. That. Uh, that's all we've been doing, I believe. So uh, we will take a break, and we'll be right back with our discussion of Blackjack. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is Frederick Von Fiddlefapper reporting to you live from Grover's Mill, New Jersey, where there seems to be a crash site for a gigantic unidentified flying object. Witnesses saw a huge fireball hurling across the sky at breakneck speed, which then plowed straight into the middle of the town square. I now have with me Dr. Bruhaha, professor of all things geeky. Tell us, Doctor, is this the first sign of intelligent alien life from another galaxy? Well, this appears to be a gigantic and antenna, meant to spread news about video games, cartoons, anime, movies, technology into the atmosphere, and it is called the Big Bold Broadcast. Tell us, why do you call it that, Doctor? It says right there in huge letters. What are you, an idiot? Swinefoot. 
Thank you very much, Doctor. I'm absolutely speechless right now, ladies and gentlemen. This big, bald broadcast is having a bizarre effect on the townspeople, including yours truly. I have the sinister urge to turn my web browser over to thebigbaldbroadcast.com and download the latest geeky news with hosts, voice actor Kyle Hebert and musician Otherworld Steve. I'll also have to check for daily nerdy news links on twitter.com slash bbbroadcast. Now, if you'll excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to go get an iPhone and fondle it. Visit thebigbobbroadcast.com. Okay, so Blackjack is a manga written by written and drawn by Osamu Tezuka. Uh, it was released in Japan in 1973 and ran until 1983, and it just released in the United States, or I guess in the, the West, because in England also, right, in uh, 2008, fall 2008. And um, it's published by Vertical Inc. in, in the U.S. Uh, so... We should probably begin any review of a Tezuka work with some background on Tezuka because he is essentially the first modern manga or uh, manga anime artist, one of the first. And so he's, you know, sort of dated. Some listeners might not know who he is. He was born in 1928. He drew lots of cartoons when he was little and he was influenced primarily by Walt Disney and the Fleischer Brothers. So that means that anime was influenced by American cartoons. Uh, he created his first prominent work called New Treasure Island at age 17, and then he went to college to be a doctor, and partway through that he decided to pursue manga as a professional career. He graduated with his medical degree but never became a practicing doctor, and then just became a manga artist as a career. And over that time he made countless classic manga franchises including Metropolis, Astro Boy, Phoenix, and Buddha, and of course Blackjack. And then he died in 1989, but adaptations of his work have continued to come out since then. So, let's start with general opinions from you guys. What did you think of Blackjack? Uh, well, I'll, I'll start since I'm probably the anomaly. I don't really like it. Uh, I do at points. It's kind of like the gist of it is kind of simple. I mean, he's, he's an asshole doctor, Blackjack. He's got a mutilated face, but he's the doctor who can do anything because he's seen it all. Um, he's like Gogol 13 and House. Sort kind of, of fusion James one, Bond yeah. and House. Yeah. <laughs> guy can, Which makes him sound much more awesome than you're trying to make him sound. Right. He can solve anything, but he's going to be kind of a douchebag about it the entire time. And well, I don't know about that. He's usually a, like... He's an unsung hero sort of character because he's very brooding and doesn't talk very much, but he's got a heart of gold. Well, yes. he's got a heart of gold until he shoots one of his patients in the chest with a pistol. This is true, but it was the only way to do it. I think I think he's kind of an arsehole until otherwise proven um, because of the whole sort of like, where's my money, where's my money, where's my money? Oh, you actually right. need to be cured. Fair enough, here we go. Right, so he is actually like, he's not the... Nice hero who's like, I don't need any reward, I'm just here to help. No, he's, he wants your money. He's there to help, but he also wants his money. So the entire, the entire book is broken up into short stories. Uh, probably, I don't know, 10, 20, 30 pages long each. And it's just about... Right, and they're, they're all separate. They're separate they're, uh, entities. Distinct stories, There's no yeah. overarching story. And the way it works is every issue, I guess is how, they, how it works, 
there's a patient with some kind of weird, out there, never before seen problem. And the only person that can solve the problem is the mysterious Blackjack, who always gets called in at the last minute. Wait, he's... Have we actually described this? He's a doctor. He's an unlicensed, unlicensed surgeon. That's, uh... So, he has, he's essentially paralleling what, what Tezuka talked about, where... Uh, I mean, what Tezuka did, which is where he... He was, you know, learned medical, uh... You know, got the medical degree... But never became a doctor. Well, Blackjack did not complete his medical degree, but he was the most brilliant doctor ever, and he ended up becoming a surgeon that, like, an unlicensed surgeon that works for, uh, so, you know, works off the books for people. So some of the crazy things that Blackjack deals with are, uh, I think, one of the most prominent ones is something called a teratoid systoma. I just passed that in my book there. Yeah. So, it's pretty much like a Siamese twin inside somebody, is the best way I can describe it. The way they show it is basically uh, a baby with a baby. Yes, yeah. a baby born with a baby inside of it, which is really, really weird. Uh, and so, what Blackjack does is not really what I would think would be the prescribed... Uh, typical way of dealing with the teratoid systoma because he wants to save both the patient and the the baby inside the patient so what he does is he cuts open the patient takes out the jumble all the jumbled parts of the baby and then puts it into a doll's body and makes it alive now this is my biggest problem with the manga it's not that the stories aren't interesting or entertaining they all have their own hook that make you want to read it like every one of them is interesting and fun in some way uh, because you never know where it's going to go. You never know whether Blackjack's going to succeed, if his patient's going to live or die or jump off a cliff. Who knows? But this little girl, this friggin' doll, drives me up the wall. This It's kind of like his personal servant. She ends up walking around the house. What's her name? Pinoco. Pinoco. She really drives me nuts, man. Like, insane. Because she's always wandering around the house, praising <laughs> Blackjack. Like, I love you. You're my husband. And it's this really weird <laughs> pedophiliac relationship they have where it's, he's kind of like, yo, you might want to back off a little. But she will not. To the point where she's pushing away other women in Blackjack's life. Like, oh, you gotta get away. He's my husband. You can't have him. Well, yeah, there's, there's a line where somebody says, oh, you have a kid? And then she's like, Pinoco is not the daughter. Pinoco is the wife. She also has a yeah. really annoying peach, speech impediment that is incredibly yeah. difficult to read. Any S sound kind of becomes like an SH. Right, and she's well. Here's the thing that Tez, I, I pointed this out in a in a previous episode. It like she's technically biologically eighteen, but yeah, that's like a cop out because she's six years old. That's like it's it, okay you know? to have sex with a four hundred year old elf, even though she looks like she's twelve. Right, she's yeah. so she's like she looks like she's old. six, but she's biologically eighteen. But you know. She's pretty much six. Let's that face it. That the entire Moe thing by God knows how long and accidentally yeah. sort of cursed <laughs> the entire damn thing. I mean, especially looking at the original sort of Pinocchio origin story, in quotes, the fact that for a while she's actually psychic despite being a jumble of <laughs> organs inside a cyst, which, you know, leads to Blackjack just basically trying to kill himself for half a page due to psychic right. mind powers of right, unborn he's beating himself baby within a baby. Beakers and he's going yeah. nuts. But yeah. I. I, I know neither of you really likes Pinoco, but I I like her. I think she works as as comic relief. I think Tezuka was probably not trying to be as creepy as he was. Like right, he wasn't it just going definitely for a came pedophile thing. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, looking at it from a modern perspective, we immediately jump to the idea of a pedophile from there. Right. Yeah. I mean, as you read further, you start to distance yourself from her bizarre origin story, and she just becomes another strange, like, comic relief character who settles, she settles down. Instead of being like, I'm your wife, I'm your wife, it turns more into sulking around female patients, but helping out anyway. And at one point, she tries to go to a, do a correspondence course to get a high school, school diploma, which backfires completely because she can't stand an entire day of school or study because she falls asleep because she's a five-year-old, basically. She's a, t- <laughs> she's a tiny sack of parts. See, that's pretty strange, good. The, like, that dynamic is good that they changed it. But the way they have it in Volume 1, which is the only one that Evan and I have read, she's just a really annoying character, like this weird uh, yeah, parallel so- to Blackjack that I don't really understand why she's there, why she needs to be a persistent character. Uh, I think she definitely adds some levity to it because Blackjack 
is dressed in black with a fringe of, uh, of white hair. That's, you know, we haven't described what he looks like, but he's dressed in pretty much all black with a cape and stuff. And so he's a pretty dark character. And so you've got Pinocchio to lighten things up occasionally. Right, she's a good parallel. I just don't know that it needed to be a foot-high doll child. <laughs> I mean, she's not even a, really a moral compass. She's more of the whiny sort of voice in your back of your head of, why doesn't he do that? Why doesn't he nicer? Why doesn't he help these mm. people out? She's, you know, she's nowhere near, like, good or nice. She's just a little whiny child who's, like, the naivety of everything, saying, no, Blackjack should help everyone, etc., etc. So it kind of helps that way, and she also tends to push the plot along sometimes when Blackjack's like, no, won't operate, and then it's like, well, we've got 15 pages left to fill. Let's have Pinocchio annoy him a bit, and then he'll do something. Right. Yeah, I, and I think uh, it's possible that maybe Tezuka decided to use Pinocchio because he wanted to have a female assistant for Blackjack, but didn't want her to be a romantic interest. And I guess the only way Tezuka could think of that working is by making her five years old, so that she couldn't possibly be a, ro- a real romantic interest, you know? Well, I can't remember what volume it is in, I'm afraid, but there's one where he does, in fact, have an actual romantic interest, but then yeah, she ends up having in a massive... volume one. Yeah, she has a massive sort of um, problem, so has to undergo a, a crazy operation. Um, I don't want to give the specifics of it, because it's actually quite shocking when you read it, but basically yeah, he has to... that's comp- a very good chapter. That, that's in volume one, and there's another yeah. one with a, uh, a more subtle sort of romantic story, also in volume one. Oh, is that the female it's blackjack a, one? That's... The Black Queen. Oh, that one, yeah. That's the one I meant. It, no, that one goes completely off the rails very quickly. Um, she's kind of almost like stalking him almost because she thinks um, she will be the great you know, Black Jack's wife sort of thing, but it kind of goes a bit wrong when she starts to screw up, I think, if I've got yeah, the right chapter. Yeah, yeah it's oh, quite... Yes, yes. That, okay, yeah, I definitely remember this one. Yeah, this one is a good one. Yeah. Probably one of the best right, ones, he, actually. He, he writes her a note from a Jack to a Queen. I mean, in the first the first volume sets a lot. It's quite. It's. it's I mean, I'm, fair warning. I've re- I'm up to the fourth volume now after going on a mild binge um, on buying them. And um, the, four, the the first volume is actually the most stark in setting up Blackjack. In the fact, that it's like he's this. He's ruthless, etc. This is Pinocchio. This is his relationship with women. This is how he does business. And then the rest of the volumes kind of just play off of it as if you know that already, but giving him more nuanced sort of tones in between. Like, you know, where he's more willing to operate or he's more willing to not be a complete dick from the outset or he's more willing to listen to Pinocchio and actually sort of, in some cases, kind of humour her, except not in the sort of, like, make me your wife type dealy. Um, but it does, the manga, does, it does improve as the volume's gone. It makes it much more shades of grey. Well, one thing the manga does really well is it keeps a variety, like, keeps everything mixed up really well. You've got stories where he comes in, he solves a patient's problem at the end, or you've got one where he solves it right near the beginning and the patient comes back to him and maybe they have a conflict, maybe the patient tries to kill him because he messed up, who knows. Mm. There's a later one where he actually isn't operating on a person, he's operating on a computer. Yeah, he does some crazy stuff. That it's like is so it's, fucked up. I, so I call strange. it Gogol 13 with a scalpel because he just does so many crazy different things. He operates on a supercomputer. There's one where he finds out that there was a scalpel in his body and it was, like, encased in calcium. It's just, like, a lot of this stuff is not really m- things that make medical sense. Right, it's kind of like exaggerated science. Yeah, yeah they're, but they're, they're just cool. They're, you know, they're weird, They pro- and they provide for some uh, some interesting stories. Right. Yeah. It's something that's similar more recently that you could compare it to is, like, Mushishi, where he kind of, mm. he's wandering, and he find someone with a problem that he immediately knows the answer to. or he, Not immediately, but like he will eventually find the answer to. So Mishishi is kind right. of like a modern-day, weird, a psychedelic very, very, blackjack. That's a very good comparison, actually. Yeah, yeah. That's, it's like a supernatural blackjack. The difference is that blackjack is more interesting because something is constantly happening. There, Nobody's sitting and pondering and brooding and thinking over what they're going to do next. Like There's always something happening. Yeah. I mean, Blackjack, I mean, the best, one of the better things about Blackjack is the fact that, oh, he's this awesome surgeon, but even he is nowhere near infallible. And a lot of the better stories are ones where he is agonizing yeah. for most of the chapter of what the hell am I going to do? Is this even possible? I don't actually think I can do this. And he'll tear himself up about it because usually these are the ones he gets involved in and will basically tear himself up about it. Right. And a lot of the solutions he comes up with aren't very practical. They're very unorthodox and he doesn't know if it's going to work. And it's like, well, why don't we put a frog in a bowl and boil it and turn it into a paste and use it as a ice cream flavoring to get something out of someone's stomach. I don't know. Just wackiness. Just complete nonsense that ends up working. Yeah. Well, I think Elliot touched on something interesting. I think some of the best stories are the ones where 
he does fail, and they are they're rare, yeah. but they they happen, and it's like he's. It's not just that he'll have trouble with one. There are there are some chapters where he will not save a patient, right? And that's similar to what I mentioned before. Elliot got here about Astro Boy, where in the Astro Boy manga, you would expect that he would always you know save the world every time. But there are some times where Astro Boy saves the world, but with a price. Yeah. And there are things like that in Blackjack, where sometimes he does not save a patient, or he saves a patient, but something worse ends up happening. Right. Like, like there that. was the so one where he yeah. saved a patient it, with uh, facial surgery. He reconstructed his disfigured right. face. And when the guy, I think it was when the guy got really emotional, he got really angry, his face started uh, to deteriorate again. It was that the guy, it was that the face, uh, when he had, when he had the weird face sore on him, he would, uh, it would like get rid of his habit of murdering people. Right. And so. And there was a point where a, his face started to deteriorate again and he wanted to kill Blackjack. And because yeah, his face so was deteriorated, it, he just got so upset and so pissed off at Blackjack that he killed himself by jumping off a cliff. And, and then and Blackjack um, kneels I, over him and says, maybe that was the face of this man's conscience. Right, and the the whole and irony the behind the ending was that Blackjack had succeeded, the guy was just insane, because his right. face reconstructs again once he's, once he's dying. His face turns back into, like, this super pretty supermodel man. Right. Yeah, so the, it's not always a, a black and white thing, and... Uh, it's just very, very interesting the way that that sort of moral ambiguity that that comes with a lot of the things that Blackjack does. Yeah, I mean, in one of the later volumes, um, there's one story where uh, a, a guy comes on recommendation to Blackjack and says, "I want you to replace my skin. I got this terrible tattoo. Get rid of it." And Blackjack, Blackjack says to him, "No, mm. that's frivolous. I'm not going to bother with that. That's stupid." And the guy is really <laughs> like, he, he goes away, and the guy gets basically burned half to death in a tanker accident. So Blackjack transplants the skin, and so he gets his like wish of having brand new skin all over his body where the tattoo was. And then the guy just because of internal damage, he just conks out and dies. And that's the end of the story he got what he wished but it's not really a happy ending <laughs> the poor guy conks it yeah huh. yeah wow that's that's pretty cool yeah well the story like, of the artist the, in volume one that one's pretty harsh yes very very good the yeah i don't want to give that away but a, a lot of the interesting things about it is um i think the best moments of any of these chapters is the last page and sometimes even just the last panel because uh like It'll just ha- be Blackjack saying one line or something like that one before from perhaps this was the face of it, this man's conscience. It's just like you f- you feel it's sort of coming and then you get to the end and it's just you sort of realize what Tezuka was saying when you reach the end of the chapter. Uh, I am gonna spoil one here, but uh, I'm you know letting listeners know that it's gonna be spoiled. Um, so. In one of the chapters, the one with the ant, what was it called? Do you guys remember from chapter one? The Legs of an Ant. There we go. Ah. It's uh, got a character who has polio and can has a lot of trouble walking, and so he walks across, like, you know, walks along a highway for a very, very long... Uh, I think he might be walking from, like, Osaka to Tokyo or something like that. And Blackjack follows him... And helps him along, you know, gives him... A, doesn't actually, uh, you know, drive him anywhere or anything like that, but just sort of gives him motivation and things. And the, the kid finds out Blackjack did that when he was young. He had a similar thing where he couldn't walk, or couldn't walk very well, and, and walk that same road. And so what happens is at the, at the very end, the kid gets to the end with some help from Blackjack, and Pinoco is watching TV, and she says... Oh, isn't that amazing? The kid walked all that way all on his own. And it just shows the final panel is just Blackjack sort of looking at the floor, smiling, and that's it. Yeah. I've got that panel open mm-hmm. now. It it really does sort of like... It, it's, it almost like it's, it's almost like... Um, it's going to be a cheat, but it's like, it's like Tezuka just grabs your heart with that last panel. I mean, right. it's just like that small sort of like last grasp at you to show you the point. I mean, it's like the um, end of the Black Queen chapter. All it is is Blackjack walking in the wind with Jingle Bells playing. Jingle playing. Bells, yeah. That's, yeah. that's right. really nice. That, that is solid. The, at the end of one of the chapters, it just shows him in a car and a boat going off into the sunset, and that's it. There's no words. It's just, it's very, very simple, and it's very emotional. It just manages to to call up sort of all the emotions that Tezuka has brought into the entire chapter in the final moment of it. Yeah. Uh, in terms of art, what did you guys think of that? Because it, uh, it is Tezuka. It does look a little dated because Tezuka... 
you know, has a style that we usually, that most readers would associate with things like, you know, like Disney cartoons and things like that. Well, you see a lot of classic Tezuka designs, right? Like, you see the guy with, like, the Einstein hair and the huge nose that's got all the boils on it. Like, that's kind of a classic design that's in every story. Yeah, Dr. Honma. Yeah, well, right. that's actually not the same character as uh, Doctor Doctor Ochanamizu, even though he looks a little bit like. Right, him. yeah, they they all just look really similar. Like he has a lot of the same character designs. You see a lot of like really pretty girly looking guys with glasses and suits. Like he's, he's kind <laughs> of the, had a few ideas that he just kept recycling, but it still looks good today. Yeah, I mean, some of the characters are it's like some of the characters are from, not so many, but some of them are from the whole like star system that Tezuka had. Like in one later volume, you see the uh, Mister Mustachio, you know the teacher from you see the teacher from Mastro Boy, and he yes, he Shinsaku Ban, Shinsaku Ban, he's awesome, and he's he's a pickpocket, yeah. and he gets his hands oh, wow. he gets his hands chopped off, and it's like oh, didn't oh, see that sad. coming. I mean, yeah, wow, this is the same guy. I, I would not think Tezuka would get Shinsaku Ban's hands chopped oh, off. Oh no, worst if you've ever seen Oto Kirihito, worst things happen to Shinsaku Ban in that one. Oof. It's like, oh wow, Shinsoko Ban, it's like, this is awesome. I didn't know he'd be in this manga. Hey, what's that dog doing to him? Oh no. And, you know, bad things ensue. So. Yeah. There's actually a really good um, moment in one of the chapters where Blackjack walks into a ramen shop and he's standing in there and then also sitting at the bar is Shinsaku Ban and then also Tezuka, like his own lightness. And they're all in the same room. And it's sort of cool. Yeah. I always like how Te- whenever Tezuka self inserts himself, he's always looks he always looks so dour and worn out. It's like, uh, yeah. I. <laughs> well, it's, it's from all that that drawing manga. He's just so tired. Yeah, I mean, reputedly, his last words were, "Please, just let me work," and then he conked it. So I don't know if that's true or just an urban legend, but if so, it's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, actually, um, I wanted to touch on my favorite Tezuka character, who's in. Um, who's in the first volume multiple times. Rock Holmes is in it. And he's uh, he's got some very interesting things in there. He's he starts off as a kid who um, dri- he's like driving recklessly, and then um, and ends up getting near death. And so Blackjack has to sort of switch his brain out with another kid. And when Blackjack looks at him, he he says, and this is something that I had uh, read the interpretation of in an essay on Tezuka in English dot com. When Jack when Blackjack looks at Rock, he he says that that the uh, he's rotten to the core or something to that effect, and so it's sort of like because Rock Holmes is a character who went from being a hero to being a terrible, terrible villain. It's an interesting thing where Blackjack sees through that and and realizes that you know even though he that Rock has a a pretty face or had a pretty face, that he's like he's rotten. He's a bad guy, and there's there's other stuff like that. The um the he's the he plays the boyfriend of the Black Queen, actually, yeah. in uh, one of the later chapters, yeah. and he get yeah he gets like cut up, or she imagines herself cutting him up, which is pretty creepy. Yeah, he gets pretty messed up that one. I mean, he's also the I mean, this is taking him out of here, but he's also one of the antagonists in uh, Metropolis, who um, yes. is very pivotal in the final crazy scene which was um, when you it was quite I think he was he was going to be redeemed and he went oh no and the whole thing kind of goes to hell because of him um, which was quite nice that you know you you get kind of sick of all these redemptions after a while in cinema but. yeah he's uh, he, that's one of the places where most people will recognize him from he's the guy with the sunglasses he's known for wearing those sunglasses yeah and he he's a very very interesting character in general, and I'm always happy to see him in any Tezuka manga. So I think we went through most of it. I uh, I guess I I do want to just touch on for comparison for people who have read other Tezuka manga in terms of art. I would compare this to sort of like Buddha, not as detailed, not as dense as Buddha, but more similar to Buddha than it is to say Astro Boy. I think. And it does have a lot of the detailed stuff, like really really yes gruesome, yeah. up-close art that you'd see in something like an you know, Ode Kirihito or MW. Mm. It seems more detailed than, like, uh, medical dramas on TV, because on the TV they try and whisk it past the wound site or anything, but in this one, because it's a flat panel, you can see, like, every last, like, part of the tissue you can see from the bone. sinews and... Yeah, it's gross. Yeah. So... Uh, I, I guess we would compare it then to, like, if you like the art of later Tezuka, then this is more for you. It's not as dense, I think, as most later Tezuka, but... It's uh, definitely more along those lines than really early stuff like Metropolis or Astro Boy. Yeah. 
I mean, um, one thing I like to think is that, um, I mean, not all the chapters in the manga are great. Not all of them are, like, stellar, amazing. Some of them are quite like, oh, this guy did something bad, now he's being cured, and now he has redemption. But sometimes it's the fact that when there is a really good chapter, it sort of carries you through everything, and you, you do think about it a lot after you've finished. the. You put down the book, and you sort of go sit down, and you're actually still thinking about it. It's still yeah. in mind. So... I think we can all recommend this, right? Would you recommend it, Mitchy? I know. You yeah, know. like I just I have a few problems with like some okay. of the stories are less interesting than others, but I mean you can't win them all, right? Like some have to be highs and lows. Yeah. Uh, but this Pinocchio chick, man. Like I say, she does get better. She does get less egregious later on. She does kind of mellow out, sort of thing. Right, I she's think not a deal you... breaker by any means. No, but no, no. But she is just really. She really bothers me. Yeah, I can appreciate. I mean, she. Bought, I mean, I sent a message to Evan um, in the start, going, "What the hell, Pinocchio? Don't do not want sort of thing." And um, <laughs> yeah. after I read the episode where she tries to get a high school diploma because she, she wants to grow up, she wants to be an eighteen-year-old, and you know, she kind of exhausts herself, and she she kind of becomes a lot more well, not human. She becomes a lot more likable after that because she's still a strange porcelain doll with organs in. Um, does the speech but, impediment go away? Because that is just really difficult to read. Yeah. Just wait until you try and yeah. pronounce Achon Burake in your head, and then your like, brain will shut down. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think we can all recommend this, then. I mean, it's Tezuka. I think most Tezuka manga is uh, worth recommending. But Blackjack, I think, is one of one of Tezuka's best, as far as I have read, you know, first volume. I think it's up there with Buddha, which is my favorite Tezuka manga. This is the first serial of Tezuka's I've read, and it's really good. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. I can't find a copy of Buddha anywhere. <laughs> yeah, it's very, very good. So we should... I think we can all recommend this, so definitely buy Blackjack. It's please, a very good manga. Yeah, please buy Blackjack. It is worth your money more than anything else. Um, I'm on four volumes, and I do not regret a single penny spent on it. Um, whereas I have a small pile that I regret spending money on greatly, so oh well. Yeah, and that those pennies that you spend on it will go toward... Uh, I guess does Vertical publish it in uh, the United Kingdom as well? Oh yeah, they they they, put, they right. publish it the same. They're very good. They publish it the exact same day that it comes out in America. Okay, I like. So, so your money goes toward Vertical, and Vertical publishes awesome old manga like Blackjack. So when you're buying Blackjack, you're telling Vertical, yes, continue to publish awesome Tezuka things. Yeah. They also publish things like Andromeda stories, which you'd yes. never, no one would ever like scanlate in their right mind. But you know, um, Vertical bring it over, and I buy it, and think, thank God, someone's actually bringing this stuff out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anything for you, Mitchy, to say before we get out of here? No, I think we covered it pretty well. Okay, so we're gonna go to links of the day. entertainment medium of the millennium anime the most outrageous animation on earth rated a for adults only these are no ordinary cartoons so put the kids to bed and get ready for sushi tv we are back with our links of the day uh i guess i will start with mine it's uh you can find this at tinyurl.com slash agp 016 Evan. And this is a pilot for Sushi TV from the 90s. Uh, it's, it was originally posted on YouTube by Justin Savakis, who uh, runs... He, he's like the founder of Anime News Network, and he, uh, he's he been around in Anime Fandom for a long time. And so it's uh, this terrible pilot for a, a anime block on... I, I don't even remember. I think they were probably... Uh, shopping it around at different channels to see who would pick it up. And nobody did pick it up. It just, like, tries to make anime very sexual, and it's got some chick. She's, like, you know, it's like an Asian woman, and she's, uh, you know, just just being very, very suggestive and dancing in front of projectors playing anime. And then she talks about how M.D. Geist is the greatest man ever. And, uh... <laughs> And they show clips from MD guys and talk about how it's a revolution in storytelling, and it's uh, oh my it's God. pretty pretty ridiculous. That sounds pretty fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it's just terrible 1990s crap. 
with uh, one of the one of the lines is rated A for adults only. So put the kids to bed and get ready for sushi TV. Oh dear. Strange note. Um, MD guys is actually out of stock here, and it's only going for thirty five pounds um, for the DVD. So what the hell? <laughs> All right, so what else do you guys have? Uh, do you want to go ahead, Mitchie? Do you want to go ahead, Mitchie D? Yeah, I'll, I'll go. Um, if you go to tinyurl.com slash Catan16, C-A-T-A-N, like the board game, uh, you're going to go to a pretty kick-ass article at Wired. It's this massive feature about the history and history of Catan in North America and how the board game has grown and how German board games in general are growing in North America. It's not really video game related at all. But, you know, games are sweet. It's geek-related. It's close enough. Exactly. It's something that, you know, Catan is something that everybody should at least try anyway, because it's freaking awesome. And yeah, you can learn all I about it in Wired. But I hear very good things about it. It's very good, yeah. Yeah. Oh, also, I don't have a URL for this, but uh, I don't know if this special will even still be going on by the time this podcast comes out, but Bionic Commando Rearmed is five bucks on Xbox Live Arcade for gold members. Oh, wow. That is so worth it. That sounds pretty cool. That game is awesome. Oh, solid great. Uh, if you can play it with two, if you can play it with a friend in the co-op mode, you can just, it's just amazing to play. You can just take the absolute you gotta bring a friend who's not a fuck up, because they will ruin that game for you. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it does get kind of fun when it's like, oh my god, spits you all of a sudden, where am I going? Oops, floor. So. <laughs> and so what is your link, Elliot? Oh, sorry, uh, Mr. Q there. Sorry, um, sorry uh, this is a bit more mundane, I'm pretty sure virtually everyone has already seen this already, but um, mine is tinyurl.com forward slash px4m9s, and this is the orig- this is the kind of originating post about Project Trico, the new um, project from the team who complete- made Ico and Shadow of the Colossus, which um, I've been kind of waiting for the past year with, like, bated breath and frothing, and it's got the HD gameplay footage and a small, small, small write-up about it. Um, it's just kind of the origin of where all the sort of news stories have come from, and I just thought I'd put this as I'm a raving fan of Ico, and I'm currently turning my flat upside down to find my disc again to play it. So. I would love to see that uh, at E3 next week. Hmm. Oh, you're going to E3, aren't you? Uh, I'm hoping to, but I mean, just in general, I hope it's there. Well, I hope you get to go. Really, that sounds really totally sweet. See what they're actually working on. See how that project is grown because that video looks kind of old. By kind of hmm. old, I mean like Target video old. Um, but yeah, like those guys are so good. Yeah, I, I mean, cannot wait to see what they do. It just really grabs a hold of you, the the sort of narrative about words. And, you know, I mean, even Ico, I just love sort of standing around and let, I mean, I remember one time when Yorda just sort of bugged off and started chasing pigeons, and I thought it was the greatest thing. So. Well, uh, we have discussed this on a lost episode of the Andy Gamers podcast. It was never published because, I don't know. Oh, just, yeah. Never we did get Shadow recorded. But I am not a fan of Shadow of the Colossus. We don't need so to get into I, this. I will just briefly say I did not like that game very much. I do believe uh, that I told you you were game, wrong gameplay and wise. Idiot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, Evan. I'm trying to punch you through the internet now. But the uh, the the visuals were nice, and I have not played uh, Eco. Uh, I, you know, I've been meaning to try it to see if maybe. I just, you know, maybe Shadow of the Colossus isn't my thing, but I would like Eco. Please, please play Eco. It's a much more personal experience, and it is absolutely amazing, and I love it so much. And I, it's killing me that I can't find my disc. So. I really need to find that. I've never played it, and I cannot find it anywhere. Really? Oh, please find it. It's it's so worth every minute of your time, and it is wonderful. I cannot emphasise how much I love that game. I mean, it might just be like <laughs> roast-tinted glasses of it. It was a game I played when I was in dire straits and not really enjoying myself. Um, but I love it to death. It's amazing. On Amazon, the lowest price disc is $73. Yeah. Okay, so before we finish up here, how about you guys just uh, let everybody know about what's going on at your respective websites? Because Mitchie, you run Downright Fierce, and Elliot, you run uh, the Bear Fighting Extravaganza site. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, that's all there really is to say. I do I do downright fierce downrights is in the verb, not as in Evan is wrong for not liking Shadow of the Colossus. <laughs> um, yeah, I, we're still doing that whole one-month review thing. We're doing a review every day. Uh, by the time this comes out, that will probably have concluded, and I, oh my god, do I hope I have those reviews finished. We are down to the wire, and we are out of reviews. we got to start writing more. But yeah, we're doing uh, one-paragraph reviews where... You know, we review video games in one paragraph to see if we can concisely cover everything that the game has to offer kind of thing. 
it's kind of an experiment to see how people respond to it, how writers, we as writers, appreciate writing small or large articles kind of thing. Uh, it's just going to be a good kind of like quick study. So yeah, go over to the website and check that out. Hopefully we'll have a couple of follow-up articles. And how about you, Elliot? Um, yeah, I do the Nuclear Nets Bear Fighting Extravaganza podcast. Um, I just really do the podcast. I don't really do anything else um, on it. But um, we're currently struggling continually towards better audio quality, having just bought a new audio setup. So hopefully it doesn't sound so god-awful anymore. Um, but yeah, we're gearing up towards uh, our 25th episode, which we're planning to do on our favouritest game ever. So hopefully that'll be interesting and or extremely long for me to edit. So this is all gonna, this is all going to come sooner rather than later but i think we're on episode 22 ish now but the last three have mm. been more interesting um if you're new to it um, um i just wanted to plug like this but please um have a go at the star trek podcast which i think was one of our more amusing um and varied but yeah that's about it for me really and uh of course for what's going on at our website anygamers.com we have uh as mentioned in the last episode we are continuing our Full Metal Alchemist, The Brotherhood Diaries column, written by our staff writer, Inc. And uh, he's documenting the differences between the original Full Metal Alchemist and its new uh, manga-based re-envisioning Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. So check that out. It's called Full Metal Alchemist, The Brotherhood Diaries. And uh, the other thing going on at Annie Gamers is uh, I just, you know, personally, I just put up a... Uh, feature article about Sega and their uh, their push for mature games on the Wii, which I did the research for that at Comic-Con back in February, and then uh, circumstances caused me to never post it, or, like, at least... I had it, like, almost finished, you know, the, the article was almost done, and then I just never sort of put it up until just a couple days ago. So I've been working really hard on that. I interviewed the, uh, the lead designer on, on uh, The Conduit, which is the highly anticipated Wii game by Sega. So check that out. And that is all we've got. So uh, you can check out the podcast at podcast.anygamers.com for show notes and links. You can also subscribe to our feed at feeds2.feedburner.com slash podcast. We are in a variety of podcast directories as well as the iTunes directory, so go in there and give us five stars for the review right now. Just just do it, and you can come back and you can listen to the next two minutes or so of the podcast. Uh, and also, you can check out our website, as I mentioned before, anigamers.com, for news, reviews, and more about your favorite anime, manga, and video games. And I just forgot to say, say this, uh, podcast at anigamers.com is our email address, so email us there because we really like getting emails because it makes us feel really really special thanks bye say goodbye everybody goodbye i miss you (laughs) love you lots (laughs) we love you listeners very much we love you almost as much as evan loves little doll girls we would give you a hug if we were not across the internet from you and in a different country yeah, it's true. We're all we're we're in three different countries, so we can't give you a hug. Sorry. Transcontinental hug power. <laughs> That's it. We're we're done. Goodbye. Internet, stop being stupid. I'm gonna blame you on this one. The internet or me? You, Evan Mitzo. Just me. Yeah. Oh damn it. Why not? <laughs>